welcome to the Dog Spot Podcast with Melanie and Katie, where we're going to talk about everything dogs, especially wellness. That includes dog behavior, force-free grooming, nutrition, and lifestyle tips. This podcast is for general information only. It's not intended for medical advice, diagnostic, or treatment. Make sure to always check with your vet and consult when needed or talk with your pet care specialist for specific advice for your pup. All right, welcome back for part two of episode six, all about puppy care and wellness. Yeah. So let's start with basics um, with regarding nutrition. I think it's really the basics of what's the first thing you're going to do once you get your puppy, you have to feed it. Yeah. So what are the different types of diet that there is quickly? We're really just going to go quickly on the subject because we could do another episode specific on nutrition of kibble and raw and all that stuff. Absolutely. So we're just going to go really basically about the diets. Now we're going to talk about the kibble. Kibble, what's important? Um, there's really different. We're gonna, there's those website. We're going to give you the, reps, the website right away. There's dogfoodadvisor.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. And this one is really going to give you a big description of the food, what's inside, what are the ingredients they like, don't like. That if you don't really want to look into it much, this website will really tell you yeah. what to do, uh, what's in the food and stuff. And which, we're on based on how many stars, how bad or how good the food is. So going from one star to five star, and there's all all of it on the market. So I personally, at my store, I only have four or five star food. I don't think all of the other ones are even worth it. Mm-hmm. Already, the fact that kibble is overprocessed, yeah. the quality of it is already much reduced. So higher quality kibbles are going to be just the ideal where it's going to give you as much nutrients as possible, yeah. where the other ones won't give you. Um, so firstly, in the first five ingredients, as much meat as possible ingredients, no byproducts, ingredients that you could read that are natural no like ingredients that you can't read like a lot of those products that you like, can't well, pronounce you can't pronounce them so then that's already like okay that's that's weird and um no yeah that, that's pretty much it for kibble i pretty much think yeah as basics really we're talking really basics and go on and check dogfoodadvisor.com for help yeah there's also a way that if you wanted to we can provide it if you if you'd like we can uh we could give that to you but how to calculate the amount of carbs carbs also could be another thing where i would recommend as low as possible yeah that's something we actually do in the store is we have all the carbs calculated out for all the kibbles that we have in store yeah so when we're assuming or suspecting that there might be an allergy or intolerances, digestive issues, carbs could be one of the reasons why the dog is uh, not doing so well. Yeah, which food. carbs are going to come from grains, fruits, and vegetables. So usually you want to stay with the more greener vegetables and berries in fruits. Uh, but there will be a lot of potatoes, sweet potato, lentils, pea proteins, carrots, which is high in sugar. All these things will contribute and add to the it already being overprocessed. So yes. that could give your dog uh, an inflammatory response, which could trigger allergies. But anyways, as we said, we'll get into all of that in another episode. In another episode and more, more details. Uh, now, talking about... There's other diets also. There's air-dried. There's dehydrated. There's freeze-dried. There's freeze-dried. So there's a lot of different diets for sure. As I think I have spoken in another podcast, I would go from raw as number one. Then I would go freeze-dried. 
freeze-dried. But you got to make sure the dog drinks enough water if you go freeze-dried. If we go freeze-dried, it has to be combined with a lot of water because mm-hmm. there's no more water in the meat. Yeah. So we have to combine it. Because in raw, it's already hydrated, mm-hmm. about at 80%. So there's already enough water. Then freeze-dried, then we would go as cooked. Air-dried. Then we would go air-dried, dehydrated, and then kibble. Yeah. The kibble, as in it's been overheated. Different heat could also be used. So this is questions as a store owner. I asked at reps, hey, what is the temperature you cook your your, your yeah. kibble? And if they try to avoid the conversation, that means that it's probably the temperature is too high or mm-hmm. they cook it too much, too low, uh, too high, etc. And then yeah. that's like a red flag for yeah. me. Yeah, because the more you cook it, the more the nutrition gets zapped out of it, really. So you're yes. basically giving your dog something to fill him up for now, but he's not absorbing much. Yeah, so that's really important. To, if there's... There has to be some nutrition there so that your dog is going to have a fully balanced meal. Because a lot of people, they tell me nowadays, oh, I want a balanced diet. I want a balanced diet. The kibble is a balanced diet. Yes and no. They added everything in the bag. But was it cooked? Hmm. They added everything, but then it changes after... It could be changing. At what time? Are you putting probiotics? If so, I hope you're putting it once the kibble's cold. Yeah, because if not, they're gone. (laughs) They're gone. Vitamins also. Vitamins are very, very sensitive. Omegas. They're there. They're in the food. But was it added after? Yeah, they might not even count for anything. That's one thing that's super important in kibble. So these are things as a nutritionist, for us, that we know about nutrition... That these are things that we're going to tell you. Hey, we know about this company. No, we know when they add the ingredients. We trust this company. Mm-hmm. We have to ask yeah. them those questions. Yeah. Um, in raw, so what happens with raw, raw is that it hasn't been over-processed. It's whole ingredients. And they're easily assimilated. Once that their stomach is acid enough, that they're, they, they're getting used to the raw diet, it's easy to digest. Easy to absorb. All easy to absorb. They get a lot of nutrients. It's really rich in, in, in nutrients, and that's where they're going to be the healthiest. Yeah. I know for not everybody that they have a dog, they could give raw as a diet for maybe so many reasons, and I could understand that. There are still so many diets out there. Yeah, there's all their alternatives. Alternatives that could be really good for your pup yeah so you can always reach out to us if you if you're looking for help with that we can yeah, always see we can help regarding you give us a budget you can give us what are your preferences and all that stuff and we'll give yeah, you do you the, want multiple options do you want multiple options obviously it's not necessarily i don't go to just one brand and say like no, look, this is the ideal no. what if your dog we have to try it the dog has to try it does it have nice poop? Does it have nice energy? Stable energy? The yes. Fur. Does the fur look Does good? Does the fur look good? So if those things are good, then the food is good for your yeah, dog. Yeah, exactly. That's what's important. Yeah. So we always say like, oh, is this the best food? Well, you have to try it on your dog because each digestive system is different. Each immune system is different. You have to try the food to know if it works or not. Um, so we're pro-raw. Because I've seen differences that I went from kibble to raw with Myla and I noticed how raw was so much better for her. So now all my future dogs are all going to be on raw. Yeah, same so, for Chef. So Layla was already on raw as a puppy and Afina had to switch her to, to raw uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. Th- so this is my the next question. Yeah. A lot of people tell me this. This is like a, I don't know why this, th- this question keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, because it's a puppy, it's a baby, I can't eat raw. Can I feed my puppy of raw? Of course. What do you think they're eating out there? <laughs> of course you can. So yes, at first the babies, let's say we're talking about wolves or coyotes or any wild canine, 
Soru puppies. But after, at the point where they get older and they get out of their they nest, got teeth. <laughs> they got teeth and they have to eat the same thing as their parents. Okay, oui, so they're, they're, they're chewing and nipping at the same food as the adults are eating. Yeah. So yes, they could eat it. Yeah, of course there's a transitional phase, but it's natural. It's a it's natural transition. It's a natural phase. So can they eat it? Yes. We just have to do a transition. If, let's say, you adopt a puppy that's on kibble, just like I did with Athena, you slowly do a progress uh, Yeah, because it, it is a different type of, of food. It's not going to be transformed as much. The, it's not going to be as easy on the digestion at first. At first. Until they're used to it, and it could take up to three weeks. Mm -hmm. So, sh Athena had uh, weird, uh, weird poops at first, but it got stable, and I was also having her on probiotics yes. which is super important so she yeah. was on probiotics which made the transition so much easier yeah so basically when the puppy's drinking the mother's milk they're getting natural probiotics yes. and once that stops the probiotics do stop as well so yes. it's good to maintain that for their digestion for their immune system for everything really so i have spoken about this on the probiotic uh, episode mm -hmm. so if you guys want to go back into it and look uh, we recommend a protocol a puppy protocol uh, for probiotics um, so just to do a transition, we have to do a transition from, from kibble to raw. Can Well, you could kind of go to cold turkey, skip a meal or a whole day. It just might, you, you it might be uh, a lot for your pup. It, maybe, it, maybe not. Maybe not. You know what? Maybe they have zero digestive issues, mm -hmm. but it's still a different diet and yeah. they're young. So it could be very drastic. Yeah. When they're adults, you definitely can do it from one day to the next. You know, you give your last cup of kibble at uh, five o'clock PM by 5 AM the next day, you can give that raw. Absolutely. So m me, I wanted to go like slowly i would have preferred going from kibble to cooked the cooked to raw afina didn't like the cooked so mm. i was in trouble <laughs> so i had no choice but to go straight to raw so i was going slowly slowly and then i just after three days three days she, she couldn't care she couldn't care less for her kibble yeah and she just wanted the raw so then i was like okay that's Done. it probiotics <laughs> is gonna do the job yeah so that would be um a lot of people will ask, oh, I see people giving supplements. I see people giving this and giving that. What do I have to give my dog? The truth is, the healthier your dog is, you're not going to need to give much. No. As basic supplements as possible. Yeah. You, you don't want to start giving things that the dog doesn't need because then they can develop... Um, it could be negative. Yeah. It's not saying that you're giving a supplement and it does nothing or positive. Giving too much supplement could be negative. Yeah. Your dog's absorbing extra nutrients, extra things that the liver and the kidneys have to and the body And the body's going to stop producing its own natural stuff. Absolutely. The, yeah. the body could work on its own. So if they're healthy and they're eating a whole diet, that's where they're going to get their nutrients from. So the supplements, they're not always necessary. Yeah. As we tell people, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think, I'm pretty sure it's the same for puppies as it is for adults. If you want to give anything to optimize their health, it's going to be a probiotic. Especially as a puppy, yes. you're going to have probiotics until the first year. Yeah. Then you do it every season or every second season. Yeah, or a minimal once, once a year. Or twice, once or twice yeah. a year at least as a cure. The only other thing that I could say you can add at all times is a fish oil. That's, the fish oil yeah. is the omegas, which is hard to get in a natural diet. Yeah. Even and if there's fish oil added to your food, it's usually not enough for it to enough. count as a proper dose yeah so i would always recommend to add extra reason being is that our world today has we have a lot of stress there's a lot of inflammatory situations there's a lot of pollution so our body is high in inflammation yeah so the fish oil is going to be there to reduce it's going to be an anti-inflammatory effect yeah so your dog is less prone to get sick and the omega
omegas are good for the brain, they're good to lower stress, they're good for the fur, so less, um, your dog's gonna shed less. If, his, he, if he's one that sheds, they will shed less, they will have a shinier coat. So that was that would be the only supplement I would say to give it at all times. Yeah, alternate which kinds also you give so that you uh, give different nutrients from different animals, different yeah. fish. But again, listen to our podcast on probiotics because uh, that had a lot of good info. <laughs> we got a lot of info that we're not going to go on and repeat again yeah. on this episode. So another thing that people do ask about, which I think every household should have for themselves and for their dogs, is yes. an emergency kit. So a first aid kit. Yeah. Uh, especially when you have a puppy. You know, they're clumsy. They get into trouble. What is the stuff that you need to have as a minimum in an emergency kit? So the minimum minimum is pumpkin puree. I mean, we're doing the, the probiotic protocol, or let's say we de- decided not to, and the dog gets diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Don't go running calling your vet. Maybe just ate something new, ate something that he wasn't supposed to, because puppies put everything in their mouth. Yeah. So pumpkin puree could either help with constipation or diarrhea. Yeah. It's a balancer. Yeah. It's a fiber. Unless you know your dog ate like a cord or something like that, then go to the vet because yeah, sure. that's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, if you knew what they ate yeah. and it's in and they get sick, for sure, go. But if it's just like a one little thing of diarrhea once, wait till next poop. Like, st- stabilize it and make sure that he's still active, still happy, everything's going well and it's just a diarrhea. Yeah, then pumpkin should help Just with pumpkin that. to start is a great way. Yeah. And or probiotic. Have it as an emergency kit. Have it on the side. If, let's say, you're on your... You did your protocol for 30 days and you're on your break and all of a sudden your dog gets diarrhea, well, use it for a couple of days to yeah. reset and then stop it. Yeah, so that's another thing I feel like people are have a misconception of is you can't just... You can give a probiotic in certain instances. Like if there is like a, a, a diarrhea or two, you could give a probiotic for three, four days and see if it re-stabilizes. But don't go on and off and on and off. If you're going to do that, give the 30-day cure. Make yes. sure you give the full treatment and go from there because going on and off you're not really maintaining a stable gut flora which is what you're looking for absolutely so something else that you can add uh we have a few products from adored beast that we love uh that are great to have on hand throughout your dog's life but especially as puppies uh so there's three there's always and oopsies your go-to and colloidal silver so always and oopsies and colloidal silver will be good for any wounds or cuts or if anything happens that your dog gets into an accident whatsoever. You can actually put colloidal silver in uh, the eye as well. If you yes. get scratch in the eye. Yeah, so it could be... That's one of the safest products that is kind of antibacterial and everything. So it will prevent from getting infections. You can use that on a cat and you can use that on yourself. Yes. <laughs> that was, it's, a, it's a good product for everybody in the yeah. emergency kit. Yeah. Uh, so again, the same thing. Once you notice that something's happening, start with that before going to the vet. If it does get worse and you notice that there's an infection, once the infection's there, you guys need antibiotics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you have to go to the vet. But at least it's a good first aid. First start, okay, let's use this and and try to save ourselves a bill at the vet. It will work. But obviously, it's already too advanced. Well, then then you need to go. So those would be the two for cuts, burns... What the, what else did it say on the on the product? It was scratches, good. burns, shaving burns, uh, even open wounds. As long as they're not yeah, yeah, no, deep. it needs stitches there. Yeah, no. <laughs> but if the, you have an open wound and it looks like it's gonna heal well, just keep it clean. 
Um, you can you even use that for skin bumps, like if there's yeah. irritations, rashes. I had clients that they would go for walks and then would come back and the dog would be full of bumps on the stomach. I told them put colloidal silver and it was gone. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. And then your go-to is gonna be good if in case your dog happens to be in an accident, traumatic event, surgery surgery any types of situations that might be very stressful or traumatic this will be a homeopathic product that will help ease these symptoms yeah. and not cause a permanent uh, problem yeah because th when the dog does get traumatized this they're not stupid they're gonna remember absolutely i mean there are some animals some dogs that could be a little more aloof than others but it's better not to take that risk especially when they're young because things do stick with them when they're young it will stick with them especially if it happens uh, before the five month period between two to five months is where you have the pup or three to five this is going to be the important part if stuff happens there in that time that's going to stick yeah so you want to make sure they're the most comfortable at ease easy transitions having support uh no major uh issues and it's going to solidify your bond with them as well yes and then our next step is everything regarding training. <sighs> That's a big one. It's a big step. It's a big step, and it's what's gonna take most of your time. Yeah. For the puppy. And consistency. And you're not just getting a puppy, and it's gonna just get used to your routine. It's not gonna just learn everything on its own. Mm -hmm. You have to teach them what you want from them. Yeah. You want to teach them manners. Yeah, you and want that's to teach them. <laughs> that's important too, right? Dogs want to please us. They yes. they they're working animals. They are made to perform, and that brings them happiness. So if you have a certain routine, you know you have certain things that need to be done. Well, okay, that's fine, but you got to adapt to your dog as well. Yes. So when we're we're just talking training, basic training. There's going to be different types of training, and all the trainers they bash at each other on social media. Now that social media is out there, it's very easy to to talk in between professionals and stuff. And between punishment training and force-free training, it's, it's the biggest mess on social media sure. possible. Because they're opposites. But they, bo they both opposites. get results though. That's why it's so, that's why there's it so depends. much. Uh, it depends. Yeah. There's, so in punishment, so we have to kind of talk about this because this is for you guys, you have to decide whether you're going towards the punishment training method or if you're going through positive reinforcement or even force-free, which is like an extra step over yeah. uh, type of training. So because there's going to be also, also, let me talk about that, balanced trainers mm. where they use positive reinforcement and punishment, which is a big mess. That's confusing <laughs> for the dog. It's very confusing for everything, for everything, for the dog, for us. So, different types of training. So let's start with punishment because this has been the one that's been around for a really long time. It scraps a lot of dogs. Yeah. So what's gonna happen is that they're gonna say, "Oh, this dog's no good." Boop. Next. So let's say you're 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 trying to train a dog for uh, protection. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like how my dad was getting his German Shepherds, his Rottweilers, whatever. They would start training a dog at six, seven months, mm -hmm. and if he wasn't. Um, developing the proper behaviors, he's no good. Bye. Really? Yeah. Not all dogs they were they were able to cr to to get a protection dog mm. because then they started getting aggressive in the wrong way because they're not supposed to. They're they're supposed to be aggressive on command only, mm -hmm. but not get aggressive on other situations. Okay. So if they wouldn't obey 
they would start doing the opposite behavior of what it was supposed to do. They're like, oh, this dog's no good, bye. Wow. Or they start training them and they become fearful. Again, bye, this dog's no good. So th- th- the fear, especially the fearful ones, cannot use punishment. Yeah, because cannot. you're going you're gonna to mess them up for life. You're going to mess them up because now they're going to be scared of everything. They're going to be scared of you. Is that the relationship you want with your dog? They'll listen to you because they're scared of you. Yeah, and a lot of times, too, because not everybody is a behavioral uh, expert of dogs. No. Look, up until I started working with you, I didn't know these little signs of stress, the licking the teeth, the opening of the eyes, the moving of the ears. These can all be small little signs that the dog is so uncomfortable. But you might think, oh, look, he's so cute. Yeah, but he's terrified. Yeah. It's it's hard. Not everybody can know. But especially if you're using a punishment method where you're trying to be the alpha and you're trying to be in control, you might think it's working, but you might be doing more damage. Yeah, it's the relationship that you're kind of ruining. And then it's increasing stress, meaning increased stress will cause damage to the body. Yeah. Stress, you might not see it right away, no, but you will see it later. It's on the long term. So yeah. it could develop diseases. It could develop cancer. It could develop so many things on the long term. Mm-hmm. So no, today he's stressed. You don't notice the, the stuff, but later on it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so punishment, that's, that's on some cases, they will work and you'll have, let's say, the best dog because he listens to you and he's very obedient. But it could scrap a lot of dogs. Where some of them will become aggressive towards you. They might be just fearful and just not respond at all. Mm-hmm. Too much stress, bad for their health. So that's the reason why I do not like that technique. And reason being is that my, my dad, the, the dogs were trained like that. And Milo was sent to school in, punish, in punishment school. And it was not working for her. Mm-hmm. And then when I started doing the positive training, that's when I noticed she started listening better. Wow. It was so much better. Well, for we've learned too that not pushing them past their limits, they're more willing to work with us. Yes. So they want to please us. So if they, we give them something in exchange that they're going to enjoy, tugging, food. Food is no choice. They need food to survive. So they'll do anything for food. Mm-hmm. So positive re- reinforcement, that's where it goes. But then it's where, okay, balanced trainers, is they, they're pretty much doing that. Okay, you're doing something right. I'll give you a treat. You're doing something wrong. I'm punishing you. Now the dog's scared to react. Mm-hmm. Am I going to get punished or am I going to get a treat? So then the dog, what does he do? Freezes. He doesn't do doesn't want to respond. Or just act stupid. He's going to like play the clown. Mm. I'm not going to listen because I don't know what I'm going to get. Mm. So that's where we have to really be careful what kind of training we're going to get. And then force retraining is kind of how Katie was explaining is that we're going to listen to all those signs that the dog's giving to us. And when the dog has had its limit, we stop training. Yeah, because then if the dog's overpassed its limit and he's tired and he's confused, what results are you really getting if he doesn't know what's going on? If you push too much, you, you're pressuring the dog, the dog's going to be like, this is not fun. I'll have to say that this is the method that's going to take the most patience. Yes. You know, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be able to breathe. It might take longer, but you're going to get more results in the long run. And you're going to have the best relationship with your pup. Yeah. And life, lifespan-wise, is going to be also the best one. Yeah. Because lower stress, happier dogs, best relationship between the two of you, it's it's really, for me, it's, it's really going to be the best one. Yeah. Love to know where we get all the products we talk about on our podcast? Head to musospa.com and use promo code DOGSPA to get 11% off your purchases. Exclusions do apply. Shipping is available all over Canada.
specific things that we need to train a puppy for. There's going to be crate training. There's a lot of stuff going on regarding cage training. People are going to say like, no, you're caging your dog. You're putting him in a jail. You're putting him in prison. Why are you locking your dog up in the cage? I mean, it's a safe zone. Me, that's what I call it. A cage is a safe zone. You're putting your puppy in a situation where he's not going to destroy when you're not there. He's not going to maybe ingest something he's not supposed to. And if he's anxious because the house is too big, he just has to think about that space where he's at, which is a smaller space. But it does have to be positive. It has to be trained. Yeah. So every time, like, let's say with Layla, her, it started with next to my bed. The cage she was wasn't. in the cage next to my bed. Whenever she would cry, I would put my hand and it would put her at ease and then she would fall asleep. And then slowly, slowly, I moved the cage to the living room and that worked out. Mm-hmm. Or I used to go to work. I was like, oh, I have to go do an errand. I would leave, put her in the cage. I would leave. Ah, I would hear her barking and yelling. I'm going to wait. I waited like 15 minutes outside. She stopped yelling. I went inside and I took her out. So she learned that by being calm. Calm in the cage is the best behavior. And then I was able to leave longer. An hour, two hours, eight hours. That's where the dog learns, okay, this is my safe zone. This is fine. If I'm yelling, I'm not getting out of here. So, uh, with Athena, it was different. I did the same technique. I put her next to my bed, and every time I used to give her attention, she understood. Ah, whenever I scream, I get attention. I get attention. So then she was screaming even more. Then we couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And she was every time she used to wake up, she used to yell. So I had to put her further away in another room where she would just yell, 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 yell. The first time, because I did this, imagine, I had to do this for five days maybe max and i decided okay this technique is not working i have to do the other way even just reinforcing her for five days took her an hour to stop yelling versus layla took 15 wow the first time i let her in the cage every dog's different (laughs) every dog's different so i I had to do it different and then the it it went to an hour then it went to 30 minutes then it went to 15 and now it's zero Mm. she's five months and now she's okay in the cage but she knows when it's a time to get out, she'll bark and be like, I want to get out of here. Yeah, well, I mean, she's still little and she she's can't stay little. in there that long. Exactly. But, so yeah. that's the that's the situation. So, yes, the dogs will have different ways. Either that, unfortunately, they do have to understand that they have to stay calm in the cage and we have to train that. Or we have to ease their pain and they're lonely and they need our affection where we show them, look, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like Layla that it's okay and then they're going to be calm in the cage the two ways so it has to be trained do you want to remove the cage afterwards once they're potty trained and they're not scared of the big environment of the house no problem leave your dog loose afterwards but make sure there's no destruction no separation anxiety all these things because the cage will be considered their little home their little and those behaviors can be amplified if if they're happening at the wrong time yes easier to do the potty training and all that stuff potty training the fun thing about potty training is whenever they do go outside you have to understand like a scheduling if they're two months old they can hold maximum an hour extra of their month so if they're two months old it's three hours they could hold so go as often as you can outside if they're trying to sniff around okay bring outside reinforce party time woohoo good dog yeah. yay so that they're like, wow, this is so fun to do it outside. Yeah. And then it becomes their routine. It becomes and a habit. Yeah. And then afterwards, they kind of get surprised. So what I like to do is just to surprise them to stop peeing inside. 
So do a little scream or a little surprise, a shock. So then they stop peeing or pooping and then you take them, go outside and then they finish their business. Yay! So they understand, okay, I'm not allowed to do it in, mm. but I do it outside and I get a treat or I yeah. get a party. My, my parents are happy. Yeah. Okay. So that's my way. Yeah. And Athena was, she still had accidents after three, four weeks, but literally she was like barely no accidents after even a week or two. Yeah, no. I still had to watch her, mm. but my God, she got potty trained. So yeah, easily. it was fast. Layla, same thing. It, it took me about two weeks, so it was it was really nice, and that was the technique, and it worked great for both. Uh, another one is biting and nipping. It's totally normal for puppies to bite and nip. Well, they're teething. They're <laughs> teething. They're playing. They 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 play mouth with between each other, sisters and brothers. Of course. So they think, oh, us too. They're with humans, we play with the mouth. Yeah. So we have to teach them. No, that's not how it goes. Offer them chews, offer them the toys in exchange. Tell them you're uncomfortable. Like, do a sound with your mouth that they're like, ow, I don't like this when you, you bite me. Yeah. Ignore them. Go to another room when they're biting you. Scaring them is maybe not the best. Thing. It's not scaring them, yeah. but it's just avoiding the situation of nipping or ignoring it. So yeah. while they're nipping at you, don't play with them. Yeah, just exactly. say a statue. Nip, 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 nip. And then they stop nipping. And then you react. Then you react. Ah, yeah. oh, good dog. And then you start playing, with, uh, give a toy, and then start playing. So they're going to notice, okay, when I'm nipping and biting, I get no attention. And then I get a toy, and then I start playing. Okay, so I'm going to start taking the toy to go and play and bite and stuff. Athena took about a couple of weeks. And, you know, actually, for maybe six to eight weeks. She, she took a while for the nipping. Yeah, but it's it's breed appropriate as it's well for her. It's breed appropriate, yeah. So, and then, but Layla, though, she kept her nipping. That was for me. That was one thing that just never stopped. Mm. I wasn't able to um, to stop that. Then there's the jumping. The same thing. Don't give them attention when they're jumping on you, and encourage them when their forepaws are on the floor. It's a, it's a lot of the same technique. Yeah, it's it's pretty much always very repetitive from one technique to the other. As long as you figure out what works for your ignoring, dog. Ignoring ignoring what you don't like and encouraging what you like. Yeah. So that the dog understands the difference between both. Uh, socialization, this is a touchy one. Socialization, you would think, oh, I have to meet as many people as possible and as many dogs as possible, mm. but no, you have to just teach your dog to be calm when he sees other dogs. Yeah, because the, n not every dog is gonna love every other dog, just like they're not gonna love every other human. And if your dog is scared, don't put him in a situation where he's gonna have to live that fear more. Yeah. So just doing the training where they're observing and they see the humans, they see the dogs, and they're calm. They might have a choice to move forward. They might have a choice to move forward, but they want to meet them, and the other person's okay with it, okay, do the meetup. Tell the, the people, okay, you're allowed to touch my dog now. Yeah, because if you force them to go in a situation, maybe while they're little, they'll say, I can't do anything, but they get a little bit bigger, and they say, hey, I still don't like this, I'm going to start reacting. Then the reactivity could start, and then that's where, once the reactivity starts, that's where people struggle, because it's so hard to get rid of once it starts. And there's two things about reactivity. For puppies, they need to learn their emotions. They need yes. to learn how to express themselves. So if you have a little puppy that's barking and reacting, it doesn't mean he's a reactive dog. He's no. learning his voice. He's yes. learning how to express himself. And what we are talking about in the yeah. other episode, it goes by breed also. Exactly. So you might get a more vocal dog, and that's okay because exactly. they're born like that. And reactivity in that sense is not discouraged it's actually a good thing because they're learning how to express themselves it's yeah. when you get to a certain point with negative reactivity fear uh you know mostly fear yeah. or ag aggression 
um, that's when it's going to be harder to work on. Then our other part, and I find that this is one of the most important that yes. we should all be doing is to every breed, <laughs> <laughs> to everybody, <laughs> is the desensitization and to everything mm-hmm. sounds, places, grooming, manipulations, textures. Yeah. So that your dog knows as many things as possible so that throughout its life, when it's going to go into a new situation, he's not going to be scared of, oh, what's that sound? I've never seen this before. I've never seen this before, whatever. So the more that your dog experiences as stuff, as a puppy, when they're going to be older, they'll adapt better. Yeah, and we're not saying go blow a blow dryer or a leaf blower in your dog's face for the first time because that's probably going to scare them. It's really going to go step by step. Yeah, you really have to go hearing the noise in another room. Then it comes closer. Oh, then the wind is on them. I'm just talking about like a dryer, let's say. Something that they know bit by bit by bit, it's not pushing them past their limit where they're going to freak out and they're going to be scared. They're going to start being curious. The more curious the dog is and not scared, the more you can work with them. Associating with games associating with with food giving them breaks when they're fed up yeah that's going to be the best part of how they're going to learn the best and another thing that's important is we repeated a million times every dog is different there might be a you might have a dog that really hates a certain thing And and it's okay and that's okay instead of getting mad why won't my dog accept this we should maybe start thinking that, it, I mean, not everything is going to be like that, but no. if there's one specific thing, like sometimes it's a dryer. If the dog is so afraid of the dryer that they get older and they're still scared and they still get aggressive, just don't use the dryer in front of your dog. Yeah. You don't have to make the dog love it. Or the vacuum. Yeah, the same thing. The dog doesn't have to be in the same room. Yeah, I mean, of course you're going to keep using your vacuum, but you can try to train and if you, the dog really has a big fear, you adapt to your dog too. Absolutely. So every dog is different and we adapt to them. We try to help them as much as possible and to reduce as much stress as possible. Because we said stress will affect health and will affect lifespan. So if your main goal is I love my dog and I'm happy with my dog and I want him to last as long as possible, stress is going to be a big factor. Yeah. And Same for us. <laughs> yes, uh, for us too. So we're, we're talking about how much we want our dogs to survive as long <laughs> as possible, but it <laughs> should be applied to us as well. Yeah. Um, so as a resume of all the things, wellness, longevity, and lower stress, force-free training and grooming will be the best. Yeah. Exposure, uh, early, as early as possible. Expose them at the vet also to tell the vet, Hey, my dog is going through the process. Take your time. Oh, you can even go, go for walks to the vet and bring treats and say, can you just bring my dog in the room, give him some treats and we'll leave. That's it. That's it. Just ask. So the more open your vet's going to be, it's going to be so much better for you and your pup. Not just, okay, let's do the first exam. And yeah, imagine being with you for six to eight weeks and then you just plop them on a cold table with no warning, no nothing. It's kind of like, where, where am I? So how is the dog going to associate it? So that's the thing you think, okay, the dog froze, did well on the exam. But the second time, all of a sudden, oh, my dog doesn't like going to the vet anymore. Yeah, well, well when they freeze, the first yeah. So that's where people don't necessarily think, okay, my dog didn't howl or bark. Or no, the first time, they're they're observing the behaviors. They're observing what's happening. And then the second time, they'll react. Yeah. So we have to look at those smaller signs of stress. And again, this could be another episode where we'll talk about all the signs of stress. Because it's a really interesting uh, subject. The other thing we're talking about, natural diet, whole foods, as we talked at the beginning of the episode, which is super important to lower stress, increase health, uh, active mental stimulation and chewing, ex- 
exercise, going outside, mental stimulation, offering uh, games, interactive toys, feeding your dog and making your dog work for his food, not just giving it in a bowl for free. Yeah. Uh, chewing, the, the natural for them to chew on bones. It's going to clean their teeth. It's going to give them something to do. Was it 30 minutes of chewing is like a 90 minute walk? Yeah. So they spend a lot more energy doing that. So Not to say don't walk your dog, just give them a good balance. Let's say a, a day where you're like, oh, it's raining and I don't want to go outside or it's very cold. Well, give a chewing uh, stimulation instead. That would be a good replacement. Then the other thing as last thing in which I would recommend that not a lot of people are going to think about this and I've only knew this in the past year is use as less chemicals mm. and fragrances as possible inside the house. Yeah, you know, growing up, uh, we love candles and incense and Smells air wicks. And, and yeah, we like to smell good, but think about your pet's liver. They're more sensitive to, yeah. than us. Yeah. So the fragrances and products, all these diffusers, the essential oil would be the safer bet for dogs. But even that, it's what, for 10 it. minutes, 15 minutes? 10 minutes of diffusing only. So that's where we have to control how much essential oils we put. Fragrances to avoid, candles to avoid, unless, you know, they're the, the safer option. Yeah. But again, don't use too much of it. Uh, don't just leave it on all day because that's for sure it's going to be hard on the liver. Mostly for them. For us, we st it's, it's still going to be hard for us too. But they, they're way sensitive, way more sensitive than us. Yeah. Uh, the chemicals are from our detergents, our cleaning products, the stuff that you clean the dog's bed with or where he sleeps, where he lays down. It's on their body and they're absorbing that through their skin. Yeah. And it could cause skin issues, allergies. Uh, Myla used to puke really? when uh, her bed was washed with the regular detergent. And really? then I used my natural detergent with no fragrance and boop, no more puking. Wow. So it really makes a difference where we notice uh, certain little things and we don't like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then you start changing the stuff and you're like, oh, wow, yeah. what a difference. Yeah. And again, as we've said a million times again, not all dogs are going to respond the same way. Some are going to be fine. Some won't. Just pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention to your dog. Yep. And, and, then, and know these basics, you know. Yeah. And then the uh, same thing for like outdoors in your yard. You could control it. Don't use these uh, pesticide sprays and all that stuff. Even yeah. if it says, oh, it's just the first day 24 hours don't don't step in it in the second day second day it's safe no eh, it's still the dog's still gonna absorb it in the skin it's still gonna sniff it it's still gonna have it on its body it's ideally not yeah so do you think we pretty much went pretty much all around the basics of wellness for the puppy yeah i think so i mean the, of course you're gonna run into different things with different dogs in different situations but this is all it's situational it's very general yeah we, we're so giving really general basic information exactly for, for puppy wellness and, and i care. think i think this is the basics of what to know when you're when you're getting into it yeah, yeah. and then afterwards more specifically you go on and call us and contact us for a consultation if you need any help. Exactly. Then we'll go by case by case. And if you're living in any situations you're not sure what to do, we can help you through it. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to part two of episode six of Dog Spa, all about puppies and environment, how to pick your puppy, how to learn about breeds, care and wellness. Hopefully we covered it all. And if you have any more questions, don't be shy to give us a shout. Share us on social media to get the word out to everybody else uh, so that everybody can get the most information possible. All right, guys. So we'll see each other next time. See ya. See you.